the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network presented by the SGPN Merch Store because the Merch Store, you can go and get NBA gear, WNBA gear, tennis gear, all the different types of gear, refs of terrorist gear. All you have to do is use promo code SGPNBA and get 10% off the entire merch store. That is code SGPNBA for 10% off the entire SGPN merch store. Yes, sir. We are back for another edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Know me, know the voice, know the guy. Me, really real, villain real. Terrell from Junior here at your service. And I almost committed a cardinal sin. But it's all right because the show goes on. And, I mean, yesterday was a good day. There was a lot of things that went well yesterday. There were some things that could have been better, but there was a lot of things that went well yesterday. Got my guy Scott Studio right show with me. Scott, what's going on? That was a nice save uh, by you during the pre-roll, so respect there. Uh, but overall, day was pretty good. Can't complain. Unfortunately, did go 0-2 on the actual lock and dog picks for me. But as for the game predictions, I think we were both on it. Uh, I was wrong with the Clippers. I dared Chris Paul to not only beat Scott Foster – but to beat him by margin, and he actually did as the Suns came back from behind. It looked like it was going to get ugly early, potentially, and there was a bit of a code red situation for Phoenix, but they got back on track and they won the game. Booker was great. He had basically 40 points, and he kind of carried the team. Besides that, though, we we were right about the Cavs covering against the Knicks, so we thought that the series would be a long one, and as a result, we thought that Cleveland would respond accordingly in Game 2. Uh, I also leaned to Boston to cover in game three. I don't remember what the spread was in the first quarter, but Atlanta only lost by three in the first quarter, so they might have covered that. I'm not totally sure, but it's the game that I thought would happen. I thought the Hawks would hang around. Boston was the better team, and I just thought Boston would eventually win by enough to potentially cover the full game, but I thought you'd be able to get a decent number live. You probably could have gotten a decent number live midway through the first quarter, but either way, ended up uh, getting the side right there. So once again, could have been a better day for me. Could have been worse. Also uh, cashed the Evan Mobley under 14 and a half points, uh, which was nice as he had 13 points in 39 minutes. Not going to overreact to one game based on our discussion, but is what it is. I decided to put my money where my mouth was. I took Mobley under and Mobley went under. So it could have been worse, but yeah, nothing really else to say. I feel like that doesn't, I feel like that doesn't apply to the conversation though. It might not. That's what I'm saying. Like there was a poll that got put up because it, it was still 55 percent shooting. It was at the end of the day. It was still 55 percent shooting. <laughs> it also depends on how you define a bag, though, because a lot of the buckets he had were just either layups or dunks around the rim because of either pick and roll or offensive rebounds. But still, the point is, that a, one game's not going to determine if he has a bag or not. But maybe it felt a little bit nice the game after that. Unlike Kyle Lowry, who goes for 33 <laughs> after I call him out. Mobley settled for 13 points in 39 minutes. But I'll ask you this simply put, did you have any takeaways in any of the games, anything that jumped out to you? We're not going to go through every game, but I feel like most of it was straightforward. But did any one thing jump out to you? Um, well, just going over the recap, so everybody knows exactly if you're living under a rock what happened last night. We had the... Boston Celtics winning 119-106. They cover as a 10.5-point favorite. 
And the Cleveland Cavaliers absolutely steamrolled over the New York Knicks, 107-90. They cover as a five-and-a-half-point favorite. And the Phoenix Suns cover the eight-point line. And Chris Paul gets his first win over Scott Foster in the playoffs since 2013. That is 123-109 in that game. Now, uh, my biggest thing, I think I will have to go to the Suns because while a lot of things went right for the Suns, there's a lot of things that did not go right for them. Um, What did go right for them, since we'll just start on the positive, what did go right for them is the fact that, I mean, Kevin Durant is so good that you – actually have to tell yourself that we have to double we have to come off Devin Booker to double team Kevin Durant to make sure he doesn't get a shot off and allow Devin Booker to get an open lane to the basket. They were literally doubling Durant down double digits with like two minutes to go in a scramble drill when Booker already had 36 points. He <laughs> like had 35. It was he wild. had 35 and they were playing drop coverage, letting him shoot open threes like they really, really did not want Kevin Durant to get going. And I think that might have been one of the funniest things that I've seen. Uh, So that went well. The fact that, you know, we know that the offensive unit for the starters is really, really good. And there's probably no reason in stopping that. What did not go well was the fact that they have zero contribution from their bench whatsoever. And Monty Williams really, really needs to figure out that bench rotation and who is coming off the bench at what point to give them a spark. Landry Shamit had a total of six points for his total, and it went under because he was 0 for 2. <laughs> uh, Bismack Biombo actually contributed something with th- with six points and five rebounds. Okogi came in and gave you a little bit with seven points, that is it. Just Akogi and Biombo. They had a total of 13 bench points in the entire game. By the way, the Biombo, the Biombo, the Bismack Biombo rebounds were a little bit misleading because on two separate occasions he bricked the wide open layup, got his own rebound, and put the ball back in. So he kind of stat padded two rebounds there. But yeah, Biombo was okay last night. Uh, but I'm just going to throw it out there: two of those rebounds were because he could not hit a layup and then got his own rebound and scored again. But yes. Yes, so they need to figure out the guard depth and getting some additional level scoring off of that bench to kind of help aid the starters. Because I and they, I think what, Devin Booker played 45 minutes. KD played 44 minutes. They got That was like the main minutes, numbers that you had to mention. Two it minutes. minutes it was the minutes yeah. played that you have to bring up. And so it's, it's, it's insane. And I think that you have to... You have to have a level of trust in your bench unit, but they also have to play to the expectation. So it just seems like there's got to be some type of maybe you bring Terrence Ross off the bench in when you're going to L.A. And you allow Terrence Ross to maybe get some minutes off the bench. Maybe you scheme up things for Landry Shamit. Maybe you have an adjusted lineup where Chris Paul is playing with the bench unit. And that way he can help aid that bench unit and be able to get them some levels of scoring. Because as we've seen throughout this series and through his nine assists last night, I'm pretty sure we mentioned his assist too. Devin Booker has really, really taken, you know, more of a point guard role in bringing the ball up the court and facilitating the offense. So, uh, yeah, that's really my biggest takeaways is they, they have to figure out the bench unit for the Phoenix Suns if I'm going to get Phoenix in six, like I not six, but in five, like I said. I'm trying to think of what Phoenix is most likely going to do. Do you start staggering minutes between Booker and Durant and just have each of them have runs with the bench unit? 
You got to figure no, out. I, I, I just said it. I just said it. You. I know you mentioned Chris, bring, Paul. Chris Paul. You bring Chris Paul and you because you have Devin Booker who can handle point guard duties with because I feel like you got to have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker still out there. That kind of diminishes what you were doing and makes it easier on the Clippers by saying, oh, we only got to guard one of these guys at this time. But if you bring Chris Paul with that unit, he has the ability, the playmaking, the floor general-likeness that he'll be able to get Landry Shamit to his spot, be able to play a pick-and-roll with Biombo, help Akogi be able to get to his spot, and really, really force that bench unit to help get better options at contributing. Yeah, for me, I find it a little bit fascinating that Phoenix's offense is that bad with the bench unit, and yet TJ Warren, Damian Lee, and Terrence Ross combined to play five minutes? It's because Ross didn't play a minute. Does that surprise you at all? I know all those guys aren't the greatest defenders, but at some point, you got to at least try. Like, I mentioned it with the Nets, uh, with the uh, 76ers series. At some point, your team just can't score enough, and it's not sustainable what you're currently doing, and you need to kind of sacrifice some defense for offense. I do think that for the Nets case, it was Cam Thomas, because they're going to get swept anyway. You might as well try to score. For the Suns, I don't know what you think you're doing with this bench unit, but you need to use Terrence Ross. Like, I don't know why you'd bring him in and why you acquired him during the season if you're not going to let him try to hit some three-pointers for a bench unit that desperately needs scoring. I think that has to be the main adjustment, either him or Warren, because one of them, at least one of them can give you points. Your team can't score anything right now with Durant or Booker being off the floor with Durant unless Durant plays 45 minutes, and we just saw that he's had several injuries since the ACL injury a couple of years ago. I don't think you want to be using Durant 45 minutes against a team with no Paul George in the first round when you're, once again, in round one of a potentially long playoff run. You, you need to try to find some bench scoring. I think you have to, as you said, use Terrence Ross or TJ Warren. You might sacrifice the defense a little bit, just to buy an extra couple minutes of rest for Durant and Booker. Do you agree with that uh, or no? Yeah, I mean, I I think you need to buy them some rest, but... It, you mentioned I mean, Ross. I wouldn't even mention Warren, who we know can be a competent bench scorer if needed. Yeah, I just... It, it, like I said, when I started this, he has to figure out his bench rotation and what and who he trusts and how he's going to do it. Because, I mean, he's given Landry Shamit 14 minutes recently and he hasn't done anything. So it's like there is right, no way Shamit should be playing 14 minutes and Raw should be playing zero. I think Shamit's a, a worse basketball player objectively than Terrence Ross. I don't think Shamit's any good. I've, I've said that for years, but. Mm. Uh. I don't think he's he's all right. He all right. I mean, I, I, I don't got nothing series. against him. Yeah, I don't have nothing against him. See, I do because he was on the net, so I got to watch him a lot. I don't, I don't think he's particularly good at basketball, but I think him he's, and Ross have a similar skill set. But Ross is the better shooter, in my opinion. At least I think Ross is more of a threat because at least Ross can dribble a little bit. Shamit gives you no handle at all. That's so, and that's really my only difference is that I feel like Terrence Ross is somebody that can create his own shot. But playing alongside Chris Paul in the second with the second unit, I think that Landry Shamit would be an asset and play a lot better than what he's done in this series, which is four points in game one, zero points in game two, and a total of two for seven from the field. All right, 
before we get into the actual breakdown of tonight's slate, got to talk to you about Underdog Fantasy because the NHL and NBA playoffs are here and you can get down on player props at Underdog and you have daily NHL, MLB and NBA games that you can absolutely tap into. Plus, you have the NFL best ball drafts with the draft coming next week. You can already start playing NFL best ball and start trying to put together your half a million dollar lineup. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a hundred percent deposit bonus up to a hundred dollars. That's underdogfantasy.com promo code SGPN. All right. Well, I do want to ask you one thing before we officially move on, because there's going to be my takeaway that I was going to talk about. Why was Randall on the floor down 25 with two minutes to go? Hmm. I was going to ask you about it because, you know, we've seen Thibodeau do this exact same thing with Derrick Rose. Different situation because the the Bulls were winning and they were trying to drain out the clock, but they were up 10 with about a minute to go. And yet we saw Randall being on the court and a couple other starters. They were down 20 and change. And then Randall took a nasty fall. I don't think it was a dirty play by Jared Allen. He'll get booted MSG anyway. But still... I feel like I have to roast Thibodeau for that. Why is Randall on the floor? No, like, I, don't I, I don't. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, I probably wouldn't have had him out there either. But according to some know. reports, he actually wanted to take Randall out of the game, and Randall talked himself into playing more, maybe because he missed a couple weeks and he wanted to try to get some extra minutes. I don't really care. The point is, with Randall missing time recently, he's the last player you should have on the floor playing garbage time minutes in a physical series. I wanted to bring it up because we roasted Thibodeau for the same exact situation or at least the same problem using a star player when he didn't need to in the playoffs, like I'd say 10 plus years ago with Derrick Rose. And then Randall got hurt and we saw that he kind of left early, went to the locker room for his back. We'll see what the story is. I'm assuming he's fine. I wanted to bring it up, though. I just thought it was bizarre that they put Randall in that potential situation when the game was over basically after three quarters. I wanted to bring uh-huh. that up. So just food for thought. All right, let's move on to today's slate. And we have a three-game lineup of game twos in the NBA. First game on the docket, 7.30 p.m. on the East Coast. We have the Los Angeles Lakers playing the Memphis Grizzlies. Grizzlies open up as a one-point favorite. Line has flipped to minus one Lakers. 227 is the total injury report here. You have Anthony Davis and LeBron James, who are both probable. Dennis Schroeder also probable for this game. And for the Memphis Grizzlies, John Morant is a game-time decision with that hand injury. Jake LaRuvia is out, and you know we are still not seeing Steven Adams in this series. So, here we have a potential John Morant-less Memphis team, where if John Morant doesn't play this line, it's surely to go to at least three, maybe four. I think it's got to be baked in, doesn't it? I mean, the line has already moved two and a half points, three points. Or unless you think that's solely based on the game one matchup. mm, No John Morant, and the Lakers are only a minus one favorite. But I'm saying it opened up as Grizzlies, like minus, what was it, Grizzlies minus two and a half? It opened up. Grizzlies minus one. I see. I see an opener. I'm using a database, but it said it opened up at minus two and a half. But that might have been like very, very early opening lines, or maybe a look ahead line. I don't know. But mm. it's no we'll way. See. It's no way they're not at least a three point. Dog yeah, I will say three John to four, assuming Jaws out. I think it's somewhat baked in already, but we'll go three or four. Mm-hmm. All right. What do you like? So first of all, 
Uh, I will apologize to some people here uh, because I might have been wrong about this series. Uh, I leaned to Memphis, and I thought that 130 was an absurd price for a team that was this good at home. But I forgot that home court advantage doesn't matter in the playoffs anymore. So the Lakers, of course, won game one, uh, despite Memphis being a very good home team. I knew AD was going to be good in this series. And then you had the injury, and you thought that the Lakers season was over. And then he came back after uh, after halftime, and he dominated again in the second half. The problem that I have with Memphis is how game one unfolded and why I think the Lakers are now – I've completely pulled the 180. I think, I think the Lakers are going to win the series. I just have such a hard time trusting Memphis when LeBron can sit in the corner for the entire fourth quarter and do nothing, and you can't stop an Austin Reeves and Anthony Davis pick and roll for seven minutes. LeBron did nothing the entire fourth quarter, and you still got torched. It was a really, really big problem for Memphis. And Ja was able to get to his spots. He had a good game. I I knew Anthony Davis would look good. I didn't think he'd look that good. That was one of the most dominant defensive performances I've seen in a playoff game in a while, which just tells you how good Anthony Davis is at defense, which is an obvious statement. But I feel like with all the injuries and all the time, you know, with in between, is he hurt? Is he healthy? What's the story? People forget how good he is as a defensive player. Like, Jaron Jackson was voted Defensive Player of the Year in between games one and two. And Anthony Davis, or maybe it was right before game one, Anthony Davis looked like he was two times better at defense than Jaron Jackson was. That's how good Anthony Davis is at really shutting down everything. The thing is, you know Memphis needs to bring it, and you know the Lakers can afford, in theory, to take a game off and maybe just go go back home for game three. My question for you is, do you think that Reeves and Rui can duplicate a game like that, or do you think that it doesn't really matter because Jaws probably not going to play and they'll beat Memphis anyway? But um, yes, I apologize. I might have been on the wrong horse there of the series leading to Memphis. But that's for um, the series. I'll ask you this for game two. Well, you know, Benedict Scott here has already flipped his pick. In no, one I, game. I, I said I might have. I said I might have. No, no, you flipped that. That whole monologue that you yeah, just yeah, gave I, was I, you. I, I you literally I, said I, I did a one eighty. Yeah. That yeah, is yeah, a I flip. Flipped. <laughs> I flipped. Yeah, you, I flipped. Yeah, Benedict Scott has already I'm like half flipped. trolling. Yeah, I, I, I did flip. I did flip. He, he's already flipped for the series. Okay, so I will stay true into me saying that I think that Memphis is good. And I think Memphis can absolutely still win this series because we, and the only thing that I regret is that I, is that I gave out Memphis in game one, knowing that Memphis sucks in game ones. And, you know, you look at the last two, the two series that they played last year, they lost a game one at home to Minnesota. Like, like that, that says enough for me already. And that gives me underratedly. Huh? They kind of got buried in that game underratedly. They drilled they the entire way in that game. Yeah, they did. This final score was actually 130, 117. Yeah. And so I sitting here and we think about one and how bad they are in game ones and the potential of John Morant being out of this game. And I'm just sitting here saying that we've seen them win playoff games without John Morant before. I'll say that. And it's because of the fact that they play a lot more free. And that's how some teams kind of do play without their star. And it just depends on, you know, if you're a team like the Nuggets where you're actually trash without your star or if you're a team that actually has a lot of good pieces around their team. And it's the fact of 
they can spread the ball a lot more often. They have other guys to give the ball to. They have a lot more scoring that I expect to see a lot, a lot more efficient scoring. Not saying that I see more scoring, but a more efficient scoring from Memphis in this game. And so I'm not changing my horse. I think that I, I told myself that, hey, if Ja doesn't play in the next game, I don't think that it's an automatic win for the Lakers. I've seen, I'm pretty sure we've seen this Memphis team beat the Lakers without Ja before, actually. And it's all going to come depend on those extra guys, the Luke Kennard, who's probably going to get more minutes off the bench uh, with John Morant out. The Desmond Bain, who can we've seen him not only be able to shoot the three, but be able to drive to the basket, score and get to the basket. And Tyus Jones and how much of a playmaker he is and just how well he plays with this unit as a whole, like not just the bench players, but the starters as well. He plays really, really well with this unit. He's a really, really good point guard and starting to get to the point where I feel like in terms of just being a floor general, he's one of the best backup point guards in the league. And I think so, he's going to have to start on a couple teams. But. Yeah, for sure. And so I I don't think that this is just a runaway Lakers easy pick and keep it moving. I actually think that Memphis can steal game two here with or without John Morant. And so, I mean, it's kind of crazy to say steal with John Morant. So without John Morant, even if John Morant doesn't play, I feel like they can steal game two here. I'm waiting. And I'm just waiting for the John Morant news because I know I'm going to get a better line on Memphis. I, I don't think Morant's I'm taking play. Memphis. Yeah, no, but I'm still waiting because I know I'm going to get a better line when he's officially ruled out. So I probably won't place this bet until before game time and get plus money on Memphis. But I think Memphis still wins the game. I think that they have a better defensive game. I think that they are able to kind of help plug in some of the holes. Maybe Anthony Davis continues to get his, but Reeves and Rui and that – monstrosity that happened between those two. I don't think that happens again. And I think that it's a little bit tougher for the Lakers. So I like Memphis. So here's the thing. I I might've had a Benedict situation, but that was for the series. I never mentioned what I thought for game two. I apologize for my series prediction, which I think is just off. I am taking Memphis tonight. I, I do think that if Memphis loses this game, I think they're getting swept. I'll tell you that right now. I, like, I think Memphis, if they lose this game, they're completely shot. I, I think they got no chance in hell to make a series out of it if they lose this game. I think, they'll, I think they'll respond accordingly. I do think they'll be able to have a better effort. I think Tyus Jones does give them good decision-making. The problem is going to be Anthony Davis destroying everything in the paint because he's so good defensively. He had, what, seven blocks, eight blocks mm-hmm. in, in game one. He was incredible. But I am going to lean Memphis in game two. It's a game they need to have. They're still a good home team. And as you said before, when you see some star players occasionally being out, you see other guys step up. And Memphis is accustomed to being without Ja because of the, his play style and the fact that he, he's gotten injured before. And they have been pretty good in the playoffs or not without him. So I agree with you. I'm going to wait. And I'm going to wait for a better number because I don't think Ja is going to play. Good news for him, though, not having a break in his finger. But still, I'm going to lean Memphis in this game. I'm going to wait till it gets to three or four. And then I'll take it. But I do. My main pivot was the series. I am going to pick Memphis in Game Two. If they don't, do you agree with me that they're probably getting swept? Do you think they can respond mentally to losing their first two games at home and now traveling to Crypto or Staples, whatever you want to call it, to face off against LeBron and AD down two nothing with a compromised John Morant? I think they're done if they lose this game. I don't think they're getting swept, but I mean. It's kind of hard to pick a team down 0-2, losing both games at home to win the series. That's my point. I think Memphis does respond. I think the Lakers, once again, they're going to put together a good effort. I'm not saying they're going to roll over, but I do think the Lakers at times might be a little bit lethargic or maybe they're not willing to fully lay it on the line 
because they already got a game that they needed to have on the road. I can see Memphis winning the urgency battle and them sneaking out a win. So I agree with you on your breakdown. My main pivot was the series. Wham well, trying to get me over to the dark side. Wham, well, you know I'm a Braun guy. So I'm really like, am I I'm never really off that side. I'm never really off that side. If Braun, if Braun make it to the next round, I'm always gonna be happy. But I don't know, man. This just this this Memphis team just seemed petty enough to knock Braun out the playoffs and then go crazy like they won the championship. So uh, you know, I'm I'm still rolling with my guys. They've been my guys all year. I got to roll with Memphis. I can't I can't turn on my guys now. It's a parade inside my city. Yeah, where's the? Uh, I'm more of a whoop that trick kind of guy. Lyric, but... It's a parade inside my city. Yeah, and and it. <laughs> all right. That, that total, total. Yeah, that was uh, uh Skip Bayless. Yeah. Drip Bayless, I think you mean. Yeah, right. Just because yeah. you put rings on, don't mean he got dripped. I'm sorry, but he's undefeated, you know, and he never lost in the Jordans or something. Yeah, all whatever. Right. Yeah. So Scott, yeah. as I was trying to talk about the total, the total dropped another half a point. It is now down to two twenty six and a half in most shops. Opened up at two twenty seven and a half. I think that I I've already locked in at two twenty seven. Not gonna lie, and I'm just gonna fade the fact that you got to guys coming off well no reeve started actually but still you got two nine nine essential scorers scoring 20 plus points one almost scoring 30 i am fading that happening again i think that is you know game two game two unders pretty good so far i I like this one to play have a little bit better defensive intensity memphis understands that this is really like a must-win game and they've been a good defense all year. So I think that they get back to that lock back in with that. They have a defensive player of the year and somebody who could honestly win a defensive player of the year in the future. So I will take the under 226 and a half. I'm on the under as well. Uh, we think Jaw's not going to play. And one thing about Memphis, whether they're better or not without Jaw, they do play a lot more methodically offensively and they play slower because they need to. Jaw's a one man fast break. So you know that he can always get out and go get a rebound or a turnover. They're pushing. They're not going to push if Jaws out, or at least not as much as you as you might think that they will. Tyus Jones, a very good point guard, but he's very, very good at decision-making and mostly in pick-and-roll situations. So I really can see Memphis playing more in the half court with John not being in the lineup. And the Lakers, they can run or they can play in the half court. I see a much more physical game. We saw the Lakers and the Grizzlies kind of run against each other, and I thought the Lakers were better at it in game one. I think the main pivot is that I think Memphis has to be more physical, and I think they kind of have to kill the pace a little bit. But from my my main takeaway was that the Lakers in game one really just seemed to get whatever they wanted in transition, and it seemed like the Grizzlies, either it was just bad switching or bad defensive assignments, it seemed that they were out of position all the time defensively. Mm-hmm. I think that's the main adjustment they're going to make. They might live and die by Rui again for a quarter, and if he makes shots, then maybe they'll get out and contest them. But I do agree there's some regression there with how good the role players played for the Lakers. I think that probably balances itself out. But it's most of the pace. I've seen Memphis without Ja. They don't play fast. I can really see more of a half-court battle here, and I think this game's actually going to easily go under. I see it being a relatively lower-scoring game. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see both teams really try to clog up the middle, 
I think you'll see one, if not both, these offenses go through dry spells because of it. I'm going to back the game two under trend, uh, which I believe went two and one yesterday. I'm going to go with the under as well. I think you'll see a lower scoring game. All right, here. Let's get into props. Anything that you're eyeing for game two. So for props, I feel like the main the main options are going to be Memphis step-up guys. So you're looking at Tyus Jones, points or assists, or maybe points and assists. I'm going to call out Desmond Bain. I don't mind Bain three-pointers. He's going to get most of the shots if uh, Morant's not going to play. Like, Tyus can shoot, but he's mostly a facilitator. Mm-hmm. Jaron had 30-plus in game one. So I'm assuming that the Lakers' main defensive adjustment is going to be doing a better job containing Jaron Jackson. Mostly when LeBron's guarding him, because LeBron got absolutely cooked by Jaron Jackson the entire game. But I do think the main guy who's going to have to step up is going to be Desmond. Because I thought in game one, he had a hot stretch there in the second and third quarter. The rest of the game, really not great. I thought he was fine. But it was mostly a few minutes there where he really, I don't want to say padded his numbers, but his numbers ended up being inflated for the entire game because of a very nice like seven, eight-minute stretch. I like Bain threes. I thought the Lakers did an okay, not great job of trailing him off ball, and he did have a couple of open looks. Reeves had a very nice uh, block from behind on one of those three-pointers. But you're looking at Bain, and he was 6-for-18, 3-for-10 from three. So the volume's there. That was with Ja playing. And if Ja's not going to play, I think Bain's going to play 40-plus minutes because he played 37 minutes in game one. And I do think that he will be more aggressive with it. I like Bain over, and I like Bain threes. I think assuming Jaws out, we've seen him when he's out, that uh, Bain takes it to heart to be more aggressive. I do think you will see the Lakers do a better job against Jaron Jackson. So by trickle-down theory, I'm looking at I'm looking at uh, Bain. So I like Bain over in this game. All right. Let's see here. There's a number of different ways that I'm going to go here. I'm looking at some rebound props right now, and – uh, I don't see my guy Santi Aldamo listed yet, but last last time he was at four and a half. I'll take him again because Xavier Tillman isn't really that good to me. He also, <laughs> also kind of has to play because you're thinking of who the Grizzlies even have now with the four. Because Tillman barely plays, as you said. They really don't have many guys. You're looking for floor spacers. You can't throw out Roddy out there. You can't a little bit, maybe. Lofton, shout out to him for his G League performances, but I don't know if you can use him in a playoff series. They don't have enough floor spacers from a power forward or like or a small forward perspective. So mm-hmm. Aldama kind of has to play, even though I really didn't think he looked that great in game one. They really don't have many other options. Oh, he'll ha- he'll have his bounce back. And I mean... He, he's he's had big games when Ja when Ja and players have been out the lineup before. So Sensei Adam is he's one of the best kept secrets. He just isn't consistent, but he's the best kept secret. All right, back to the rebound prop. So yeah, I'll be looking at him whenever they drop his line. I'll probably get down on his threes too, I'm not gonna lie. And uh where is my guy? Jaron Vanderbilt is at five and a half rebounds at plus one ten. Now Jaron Vanderbilt has played in the regular season the Memphis Grizzlies five times. Why? Because he got traded. (laughs) And Memphis was still on the schedule. So in the five meetings in the regular season he's had against the Memphis Grizzlies, seven, seven, eight, eight, eight. He's covered it in all five of those meetings this season. And last game he had four and four 
he had a he actually had a four for four, if we being honest. A four for four, four points, four rebounds, four fouls. So, you know, I'm just gonna go ahead and fade that he doesn't drop another four for four this time around. And with an under game, we get a lot more risk uh, misses. We have a lot more rebounding opportunities. Anthony Davis has shown a more committed side of to defense. So I think that Vanderbilt will be in position for a lot of those rebounds, especially if it coming off of any type of block or anything from Anthony Davis. So I'm I'm going Vanderbilt here over five and a half rebounds plus one ten. I actually really, really like that play today. I think this is a good bounce back spot for him on the boards. Uh, I like LeBron over eight and a half rebounds. Uh I think the pace will be slower. So once again, you know, you're mm-hmm. not gonna have as much of a you know, prob- probability won't be in your favor compared to game one because the pace was definitely a lot higher than what I'm expecting in this game. But LeBron did a good job on the boards, and I do think that he can, once again, just do a good job of fending off either Aldama or whoever Memphis is going to use as their normal lineup uh, to get some rebounds. I do want to ask you, though, about Vanderbilt. Or I wanted to point this out. I think that Vanderbilt's in a good spot to grab more rebounds because in game one, you might remember that he was guarding Ja on ball mm-hmm. for most of the game when he was mm-hmm. in, which took him away from the paint. So assuming mm-hmm. Jaws out, Vanderbilt can now free roam. I mean, we're not putting him on Tyus Jones. <laughs> That's, That's not saying. what we're so, doing. So, I'm yeah, assuming I like you'll it. be in the paint more because he had to be taken away from the basket to guard Ja. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that's gonna that's also gonna help us with our under two for a lot. Cause yeah, because yeah, I like that. So huh. Now do does that make me wanna now does that do I really wanna what is his points total versus them in those five games? Oh you're you're considering seven, seven, twelve, four, five. Okay. All right. Well maybe I'll just I hate when I have an idea. And I don't do it because when I don't do it is when it happens. You're in the double double play. Yeah. I mean, we mentioned it with the Conquer yesterday. I, I like the idea. In no, we were there. We I was know. almost there. I know. Oh my god. I didn't, I didn't think you he'd get how, there, but I like the idea. You know how pissed he had yeah. eight and nine. He had eight and nine. I know. He was it's almost there. I didn't rebound, think he'd get there. But one it was more such offensive a good value rebound play. and put back. One more yeah. offensive rebound put back. We have the double double. It's twelve to one. We're we're on the move. Oh, I'm just gonna say I don't think Vanderbilt gets there tonight. It is 22 to one, so 22 to one is you know it's not that's not bad, but I think I'm I'd not- rather take an alt line for rebounds on Vanderbilt if I had to pick a side there, or maybe parlay rebounds with blocks or something or steals. I don't think he's gonna score, but the rebounds could be there, so you might be able to get a decent alt line on rebounds. Yeah, just kind of like I- a compromise. I don't see, and it's because Jaws' availability isn't for yeah, certain. Yeah, they're not giving you any information. On, I'm talking about, uh, yeah, Tyus, but you know we're on Tyus Jones props, assist props. Uh, I think his, I have to. His double-double is going to be like plus 125, 130. Like, I'm pretty sure they're going to have his, <laughs> excuse me, his assist prop pretty high. So other than that, I don't have anything else. Not Nothing else I'm really targeting. Yeah, yeah I know me right neither. I thought about maybe D'Angelo threes because he was awful for the first quarter and change, but he was actually really good the last couple of quarters there. Mm-hmm. He might have found his rhythm. He faced off against the same exact defense last year. Maybe D'Angelo Russell threes might be worth a look because we're looking for who can potentially step up for the Lakers supporting cast. We think that Rui and Reeves or one of them will come back down to earth. I think Russell might be a decent candidate to maybe go for like 18 points. 
I can see some threes for Russell. All right. We're also brought to you by the SGPN Merch Store in honor of the NBA playoffs. We are giving you till the end of April 10% off anything in the Merch Store. You can get a Refs of Terrorist shirt. You can get an NBA Gambling Podcast shirt. You can get whatever you want. Just head over to store.sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Use promo code SGPNBA and get 10% off the Merch Store. That is SGPNBA. All right. Next game on the slate, we have the Miami Heat going to play the Milwaukee Bucks. Heat lead the series 1-0. And the line, this line has actually gone through the moon and back. It opened up at 6 and went up as high as 9 when there was good news about Giannis after the game. And then it came out that Giannis was doubtful again, and it went all the way back down to 6. Now it's at 6.5. 2.19 is the total. That's come down a point. And, uh, oh, I have to get my injury report. Uh, give me a second. You know, you know, hero is one wrist. So. Okay. I mean, I like the GameCube theme song, but I'm here. We go. We have the injury report. Kyle Lowry questionable for the Miami Heat. And Tyler Hero, you know, he broke his hand. He is done for the rest of the series. And they really made him shoot a three with a broken wrist. Yeah, he really – no, he, I, I think it was actually like two fingers he broke. Um, I, either way, point is – Yeah, made, yeah he, did. he did. He did. Like, they passed him the ball, and he shot up three. And I was actually watching, and I'm like, huh, is this going in? We and thought it he, went in. It was it was that Ariza play from a couple of years ago where it looked like it went in, but it was actually short. Yeah. I also want to point out, by the way, that Lowry scored 33 points in that one game I took the under, and he's had seven combined points in the two games since. I'm kind of pissed about it. Just going to throw it out there. I'm kind of pissed. Giannis is doubtful with that back injury. Wesley Matthews is also out with the calf. So, Bobby Porter season. Yeah. And everybody else season. Okay. Well, it would be Middleton and, and Holiday if you're just expecting it. Middleton with a casual 30, 30 piece in game one. He played very, very well. He stepped he up did. to the occasion. All right. Minus six and a half for the Bucks tonight. This line looks so dumb. That I have to lean to Milwaukee. There's a line you can argue doesn't make any sense. Because Miami won game one. We're assuming that Giannis is not going to play. They looked solid. Butler was the best player on the floor in game one. I don't think it was very close. I don't think it was close. But still, the fact that Milwaukee's still favored by six and a half is really interesting to me. And I think this might be our first trap line of the playoffs where I'm assuming the public will be all over Miami because Miami won game one. You're getting six and a half with Butler, and Milwaukee's going to be without their best player, who's an MVP finalist. I still – this could be wrong, but I still see a bunch of the money on Milwaukee. Really? Okay, that I find fascinating. Unless the argument's they're a one seed, so we're just going to pick them anyway. I see the same thing. I find that fascinating that so many people are just willing – I know we roasted Miami all season long, so I guess that's – what I understand about it, but I figured the public after game one would just mm-hmm. be all over Miami money line, just saying, oh, you know, Giannis is the best player. They weren't good without him in game one. I'll take Miami anyway. The hero injury is big. What do you do? Do you start giving Oladipo minutes? You got to find some way to try to I mean, you know, deal been with okay. But the point is you're going to rely more on Vincent and Struess, and I figured you're going to have to throw somebody out there. They threw Duncan Robinson out there for a couple minutes in game one. I don't see that happening in game two. But still, I think I'm going to lean Milwaukee. 
This line looks very, very sketchy. And I still think Milwaukee is a good team without Giannis. We've seen them without Giannis a decent amount of the regular season. So they're accustomed to playing without him. I'm expecting a very good game from Holiday, from Middleton, and from Portis. Portis I love in this game. I love everything Portis-related in this game. I think they'll do a better job defensively on Butler, and I'm hoping Miami, once again, does not shoot the lights out. I got to read off the stats, by the way, for game one, because these shooting percentages are absolutely nuts, which is why the game ended up landing 247. So Miami on the road in game one, with or without Giannis playing. Just to read this off. Miami shot 59.5% from the floor and 60% from three. 60 on the road. I don't see that happening again. I'm on Milwaukee and I'm on the under. Hmm. 59.5% from the floor and 60% from three on the road? It makes sense Milwaukee lost if your opponent shoots like that. You're not going to lose many games shooting like that. So, I mean, it very well could be a trap. But, I mean, in the two games that Giannis didn't play against the Heat this season, they lost. And the two games that he did play, they won. Granted, the games that he didn't play were also on the road. But, again, it's Miami at home. So, I mean... Miami covered both of those games as a home favorite too. Like that's like that's really really hard to do. Mm, if it's a trap, I'm dead. I'm gonna go Miami. I mean, I think I think Milwaukee probably still finds a way to win the game. But am, am I just gonna go ahead and say that this is into three possession territory without Giannis? And- I'm just concerned that if Butler has, I don't want to say an off game, but let's say Butler only gives you 25 instead of 35. What is Miami's supporting cast now with Hero being out? What do they have to actually score the basketball? Adebayo was better in the second half. I still think we don't exactly trust Adebayo in a game-in, in, game-out basis in the playoffs. You're going to be relying on Struess and Vincent, and that's basically it as your supporting cast? But they don't have anybody. Hero's a big piece for them. Very good That could be the reason there. why Milwaukee's still a hefty favorite, huh. because if actually nuclear... They don't have anybody. Uh, you're, you're actually swaying me again because I do trust Milwaukee's scoring everywhere else outside. Um, hmm. Wow. Yeah. Am I really about to trust Duncan Robinson in 2023? Oladipo legacy game? They they really have no... Now, Oladipo, Oladipo has, has been a really good... Oladipo's baseball. given them good minutes in the past, but... Yeah. I'm just saying he's he's been healthy and he still hasn't exactly played much. So it seems like Spolstra doesn't fully trust him, but we'll see. All right, you swayed me. I'll give it up. Milwaukee minus six and a half. But my favorite play is on the total. I love this under. I'm on the under. I love I love this under. You could I've already bet the under at 219. I've already bet it. It's in my pocket. So I absolutely love this under. I you I couldn't even fathom to explain the amount of regression offensively that the Heat were gonna have just on their own. And now you took, you know, their second best scorer out of the occasion. I can't even think of the last time I saw a team shoot roughly sixty and sixty in a in a playoff game. 
That's like unprecedented territory, especially on the road. And I mean, like I said, I think that that was when I talked about us. I said I felt like in the recap that they came out with the force and a vengeance of saying this is not going to be like last time. And it very much wasn't. They shot 60 percent and made sure that they got at least one win. Of course, Giannis is going to affect the scoring on Milwaukee side of ball and things. And Milwaukee is going to slow everything down. They're going to play through uh, Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez today. As you know, it's been a pretty hefty trend with Giannis being out. They've really, really trust Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis a lot mm-hmm. with Giannis being out. So I think that it's going to be a lot slower of a pace game. I think that both of these teams, two teams, are probably going to get into each other defensively a little bit. This under was just a a automatic bet for me as soon as I saw the line come out. And uh, the Sharps agree, 64% of the bets, 84% of the money on the under. smooth, And they pushed that under down a point. So I'm we'll contemplating under if I prefer the full game under or the Heat team total under. Because I think the I Heat think, might, get bot- might get bottled up in this game. Well, so. I think that you get both. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can come through and get both. All right. Props. What do you like prop-wise? Do you think Milwaukee starts doubling Jimmy Butler? Mm. Like, are we in a spot where Butler might attempt 20, like 24 shots because they don't have a good supporting cast? Somebody's going to have to shoot. Are we expecting mm-hmm. just a massive volume game from Jimmy Butler? Massive volume? Is it as efficient? Mm, no. doesn't need to be at 35 in game one. That's why I'm kind of asking. You have some, you have some room, you have some wiggle room there. And what's his prop at? Oh, let me just pull that up. He is at twenty-eight and a half. Yikes! That uh, that is, I mean, it makes sense. It's in. I'm playing under. I'm playing under twenty-eight. I think I'd lean under there. That number is a bit high, but I am going to mention uh, that I do think he might get a lot of usage per se. I think my favorite play with Butler is going to be assists. If I had to pick one play there. It's at six and a half at plus money. And I understand that I mentioned Miami might struggle scoring, but Hero was one of their main ball handlers. And you mentioned that Lowry is not questionable. So is Bowler going to play point guard for about like 60% of this game? At least for, yeah, for the most part. I mean, Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry's been questionable every single game. So that really doesn't mean anything. He's just going to be. Once again, he scored seven points combined the but, last two games. So but I don't he's think not Lowry's much of a factor anyway. Um,. I mean, in terms of having another ball handle on the court, absolutely, but not in terms of scoring. So, uh, Butler's six and a half at plus one fifteen ish. I see. I I actually, yeah, that that sounds like a pretty solid play for me. It's just my only issue with taking it, and the reason that I probably am not going to take it, and why the under is juiced to minus one fifty five is who the fuck is he passing the ball to, and is a hundred percent making a shot. I, I understand that. I'll ask you this, though, since it's a guy you don't like, but I'm going to bring it up. I know we both don't trust Adebayo to score. However, his assist numbers are three and a half at minus 125. He had seven in game one, but once again, they couldn't miss from the actual four. I'm trying to think of what Miami is going to really do. And Adebayo, even when he doesn't shoot, and you could argue that's a good thing because he's constantly looking to pass the ball to guys. Seven assists in game one, three and a half for game two. He's going to have the ball in his hands more from a creation perspective, right? Because heroes out. Would you consider out of bio assists or no? Three and a half feels a little bit low. Uh, I would say yes, but I don't bet him out of bio props. So fair enough. No comment. 
I figured you just don't back rebounds and points. I figured passing would be right up your alley because he's afraid to shoot the ball. No, no, no. Because I've, I've actually, Bam was actually on a streak where he was getting uh, steals like every single game. And I backed a Bam steals prop one time and he did absolutely nothing. So I am not backing Bam out of bio whatsoever. I'm just actually, you know what? I am going to mention another out of bio prop. Give me the under 20 and a half points. 20 and a half? Really? I'm on the under. That's inflated because of his very good second half where Milwaukee could not guard anybody. But now with Hero being out, I think Milwaukee's going to be able to really hone in on the main two guys for Miami. Give me out of bio under. 20 and a half. It's a really large number. I'm on the under. Mm, he, Bam had, in the two games without Giannis at home, Bam had 24 and 20. But I thought we always assume he's going to look worse in the playoffs. He had 22 last game, but once again, Milwaukee's defense was atrocious in that game. I think they'll look a lot sharper. And he really was bad for about the first two quarters, and then he woke up and had a good run there in the third and fourth. But it just felt like Milwaukee's defense was totally out of sorts. I think they'll look better. The pace is going to slow down. Miami once again scored 130 points, and he scored 22. If we're expecting Miami to score like 105 or 107, I don't think Adebayo gets to 21. I'm on the under, in my opinion. But all right. And for my last prop, let me just go ahead and pull this up so people can remember how much of a oh, that is the wrong thing. Oh, man. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Give me a second, people. Are you a big Nintendo oh. guy? So just Lopez game log without Giannis. Uh, how far back do we want to go here? All right. 26 three years. 26 points. Okay. <laughs> 26 points, 24 points, 19 points, 24 points, 26 points, 22 points, 10 points, 19 points, 19 points. That is what? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Oh, and 13 points there. That's 10. His points prop is listed tonight at probably way too low. 15 and a half. Again, last 10 games without Giannis. 26 points, 24 points, 19 points, 24 points, 26 points, 22 points, 10 points, 19 points, 19 points, 13 points. That is eight of the last 10 games without Giannis Antetokounmpo. Brooke Lopez has gone over this total and over this total by a pretty decent margin. By the way, Lopez for 20 points is plus 220. And yes, so he's found his stride over the course of this season. And this is all this season stats, by the way, uh, over the course of this season, as time's gone on, especially after the all-star break, he has found his stride playing a lot better without Giannis. So that's something I've been backing. I'm just going to continue to back it. Brooke Lopez playing without Giannis Antetokounmpo over 15 and a half points. We know I'm on my guy, Bobby Portis. I'm never not going to play Bobby Portis. So whenever they release his stuff, I think they're just kind of waiting to see if he's in the starting lineup or not. But whenever they release his stats, I will probably be on Bobby Portis as well. And Drew Holiday assist. Yeah, Maybe. Holiday assist, I feel like I was going to mention double-double there. He had a very good showing game one, uh, passing the ball. He's going to have the ball more. 
Uh, do you want to make an argument for Middleton, or you want to just, or you think that maybe they'll focus on Middleton and maybe Holiday has himself a good game? No, I think Middleton's. A, if you like Middleton, I think Middleton's a good play. It's just somebody I didn't, I didn't plan on targeting, but yeah. Uh, what's his points total? I mean, he probably Middleton. I just think it's an under game, so I'm not really looking to take too too yeah. many point total overs. But Middleton's a twenty two and a half. Holiday's a twenty and a half. All right. Last game on the slate, we have the Minnesota Timberwolves going to play the Denver Nuggets. Nuggets are laying eight and a half in this game. Two twenty-two and a half is the total injury report here for these two teams. And we have for the Minnesota Timberwolves, Rudy Gobert's questionable, Jalen Noel's questionable, you know, Jake McDaniels is done. And for the Nuggets, oh, looky here. Nikola Jokic is on the injury report, questionable with the wrist injury. Sure. Okay. Uh, participated in practice Tuesday, didn't do shooting drills. He's not concerned about the wrist injury. He's playing through it. I'm just going to be straightforward here. From what we saw in game one and from what we expected to see in this series, do we think Minnesota can keep it close in really any of these games? Mm. I just feel like Denver's going to kill them. Minnesota, the chemistry's not there. They, they have a hard time scoring, especially late in games. Jokic didn't even need to do much in game one, statistically speaking, and they still dominated. It just felt like Denver realized after the first quarter, yeah, we just know everything they're doing. And that was, I don't know if you saw that. Did you hear the uh, Caldwell Pope uh, comments? No, I missed that. What did he say? So I forgot who they asked. I think it was Cat. They asked him, you know, like what Denver did defensively. And Cat basically said, they knew everything we were going to do, and they were ready for everything we were going to do. And they asked Caldwell Pope about it, and he basically said straight up, we knew everything they were going to do. We knew exactly where they were going to be. We knew what sets they were going to run. We knew everything. So Cat was mind-blown that Denver scouted their entire offense in the last three days. But still, the point is Denver proved defensively they can handle this particular matchup because the spacing with Gobert is off. Kyle Anderson's not a great shooter either. There's no spacing. Edwards is battling an elbow injury or whatever he's dealing with. And once again, Jokic didn't have to do much. And they still dominated and won the game by roughly 30. I think Denver kills them. I've, I mentioned it before. Maybe it's not the case with the Lakers because they're a play-in team that might actually win their series. But I mentioned before, most play-in teams, they look pretty good for one game, and they get buried in the first round. Hawks are probably going to get swept or lose in five. I think the same thing's probably going to happen here. I like Denver. I think Minnesota's really got nothing to offer in the series, at least for me. Not to mention the fact I don't like them as a team. Give me Denver at home minus eight. I just think they win by double digits again. Mm, mine's eight and a half. Okay. Well, I, I saw a couple eights, but fine. Eight and a half anyway. I think Denver wins by 12 plus. I am on Minnesota in this one. I took Denver last game, and I am – on to Minnesota because I think that they're I didn't know those comments. I didn't hear those comments, but it was really funny. If they knew everything they were doing last game, then just don't do what you did last game and do something completely different. Actually don't even have a plan. Just go in there and just play random basketball like you've done majority of the year. And you'll probably have a lot better of an input. At the end of the day, I do not trust Denver defensively. I don't think that they have the matchups where 
if Carl Anthony Towns' head is out of his ass, that he cannot go out here and have a 30-piece game. Like, I just don't see that happening. And I think that this was a very, very rash uh, adjustment of Cat's points prop. We'll talk about that in a second. But I, I truly think that Uh, if Finch is any type of a decent head coach, there's no possible way that they don't find ways to score the basketball today. Like you put up 80 points in the 80 flat 80. They scored yeah. less than 24 points in every quarter yeah. in 2023. I guess the Nuggets at that, like it's pretty less than 24 points in every quarter. And so, you know, I'm just very, very, I'm hesitant, but I think that they I don't think they win. But I think it's a lot closer of a game. It's it's one of those games where Minnesota probably ends up playing a lot better and probably holds a lead and feels comfortable about themselves. And then in the second half, they just completely blow it and end up giving up the lead. Like they've done before when I've had Minnesota money line against the Denver Nuggets. So I am not going to take a Minnesota money line, but I do think that eight and a half is a little bit too much points for what can only be a better game. Like there is no way you can play any worse than you did the last go round. And I'm not putting a lot of stock into the Jokic wrist injury, but he has had he has had a wrist injury before this season, and his usage did go down before this season. So that is something to consider. But yeah, no, I'm 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 really good on taking. I, I really didn't want to lay the points that time, and I'm glad I did because I made the right decision. But this time, I feel like it's a spot where Minnesota makes this a closer game. This is more of a. It, this is more of a four or five point loss. They're down 0-2 going back to Minnesota. Yeah, I like Denver, and I like the under in this game. The under I still like is Minnesota can't exactly run, and offensively, once again, I don't think they're a good offensive unit at all. Denver's done a very good job of pre-switching where they get Jokic briefly involved in a pick and roll and then they'll immediately switch out and they actually have done a pretty good job of handing off responsibilities. And that's something that they've been implementing for the last couple of weeks, which has worked out pretty well. But still, I do think that at the end of the day, Minnesota is just not a very good basketball team. And you said if Finch is a decent coach, they'll make adjustments. That's the issue. I don't think Finch is a good coach. I've been pretty public about this uh, for a while the amount of blown leads they had, the lack of overall adjustments in the middle of games, I don't think Finch is particularly good. So I think they're going to get buried again, and I think Denver wins this game by fifth, by probably 12-plus. Tony, I understand your point of teams making adjustments after every loss, but at some point you see a matchup like the Celtics and the Hawks where you can make all the adjustments you want, but one team is clearly better than the other, and it's not even close, that you can make all the adjustments you want, but you're still going to lose. I see that being the case here. I just think Denver is a light years better than this team. And I think they'll show it at home. So I'm going to go with Denver. I like the under in this game, though. I think it's going to be relatively ugly. Hmm. Give me Minnesota first half plus 198. 200 plus 200. Why did I say that? Plus 200. Yeah. Once again, though, adjustments are important, but you got to at least acknowledge that the talent disparity in some of these matchups is so alarming that you can make all the adjustments in the world that might not make a difference. I think yeah, this no, might be but one I, of those series. I think it's just a, I think it's going to be top heavy. I think it's going to be top heavy, and Anthony Edwards might 
will himself into a good game finally and cat realizes that he's the third best center in the league finally and so and I, I get, I i'm giving minnesota in the league but huh? i don't know about that i don't know about that one i gotta think of all the centers in the league but i mean just off the i mean Jokic, Embiid, and who else is more of a gifted scorer than Cat? But you didn't say gifted score. You just said third best center. Are you talking about offensively? Are you talking about overall? What are you talking? I about? mean, I I was focused on the offensive in in this aspect. Offensively, he can't really score as well. You can argue some bonus for playmaking if you want to make an argument. But once again, that's an mm. argument. Yeah, Cat's the third best scoring center. In the I I would not put Cat in my top three at all. Talent-wise, sure. Mentally, absolutely not. I, I would mean, not put him in my top three. But I feel like that's what I just said. Like, if he gets his head out of his ass, he's one of the top three centers in the league. I, I, I mean, sure. I feel like you're if, doing a lot to disagree with me here. I'm just saying that's a big if. That's a big if. Cat mentally's mm. checked out a lot in big games. I'm just going to throw that out there. So. I don't trust Cat in this spot. That's, but that's the that's the that's the short way of putting it. Okay, how would you like me to change the statement? Talent wise, Cat is the third best center in the league. I feel like but that's then you the said offensively said. talented, and I mean, I yeah, feel like that's the same talent thing wise. Sure. Okay, we can agree on that point. All right, moving on to uh, player props for this one. Yeah, I'm on the under. You know, player props for this one. What do you have? I like Jokic under. You mentioned the wrist injury, but also we've seen a lot of these games this year from Jokic where he really doesn't need to score. He can, can he can dominate the entire game just by spacing out the defense and making good reads. I don't think Jokic with a bad wrist is going to jack up a bunch of shots. I can really see a similar script, not to mention the fact an underrated component of game one, which didn't matter in the, in the grand scheme of things. Jokic fouled out. He got into some foul trouble in this game, in game one. I can maybe see foul trouble being an issue at some point, but I'm looking at Jokic's points. I'm going to bring it up. It might not be the direction a lot of people thought I was going to go, but Jokic, I don't think, needs to score to dominate the series. Everybody in Denver's starting lineup had double-digit points in game one, and I do think you could see a similar story here for Denver, but Jokic hasn't had many huge offensive explosion games in terms of points. He can do it. I made a joke a couple months ago, once a month, he should try to drop 50 and just see what happens. But Jokic is at 22 and a half. Doesn't that seem a little bit high for a guy that doesn't exactly look to dominate through scoring all the time? 22 and a half seems like a lot of points in a game we're leaning to the under where Jokic might facilitate his way into a potential triple-double. I'm leaning to Jokic under in points. All right. Uh, let's see here. Do you have any thoughts on that play? No, I think it's straight. I mean, got really. So, uh, Justin said Giannis. So, like every single metric and every single person that I've ever actually said keeps telling me that Giannis is not a center and he's just a f- power forward. So, I'm just gonna go with it. But he doesn't play center on his own team because they have Brook Lopez. So, I'm not counting Giannis as a center. Yeah, Giannis. Giannis has never been qualified as a center. I feel like that's why he said the question mark Giannis, but I, I, he's just never been qualified as a center. Like everybody going based just on tell lineup, me he's not a center. If we're going based on lineups now. I'd rather have Anthony Davis over Carl Anthony Towns. But once again, he, that's another... He's not a center. He's playing center right now. That's what I'm saying. So if you're going by a lineup, you can make an argument that... Anthony is he Davis even playing center right center. now? Vanderbilt is still there. And they like you still, they still kind of be... Vanderbilt's not listed as more, a center. 
I know he's not listed as a center, but you're saying he played? I don't think Anthony Davis. Once again, it comes down to how many games you want to play at a specific position. If we're going by big men, just the category big men, Giannis is clearly the best in the league, in my opinion. But by center, by definition, through position, then well, I'd rather I mean, if you go Davis to category of big men, then you add a whole bunch of other people to the Also, Cat's not a center. Gobert's playing center. Cat is definitely a center. This is Kat my point. played center majority of his career. Just, Rudy point. Gobert it's comes very, from one season annoying. and he's not a center anymore? My he point plays, is very what? annoying. No way. No, no. I will position. not let y'all say Cat is not a center. There is no way Rudy Gobert comes from one season and Cat is not a center anymore. My point is, is that you're looking at how people describe positions. A lot of it comes down to your roster construction because you're going to try to fit him into a position. Cat could play center. AD can play center. Giannis can play center. You can go down the line. Truth no, is, if you're I'm, seven feet I tall, you should be to able to allow y'all not to tell me Cat is not a center. He's been playing center every single year in the league, except for this year because they got Rudy Gobert, who literally can't play any other position. Uh, no, no, you're not about to tell me Cat's not a center. He's literally franchise with a really hot take. Franchise saying he'd rather take Vucevic over Cat. Yeah, right. All right. Good, that good that just got really fascinating. Okay. You take like Vucevic hot over takes, Cat, though. I you really Vucevic like over the Cat. hot takes. Are you taking Vucevic over Cat? Uh, offensively, no. Thank you. Actually, no. Right. In general, no. I'm taking. I mean, I mean, even I mean, even defensively, no, 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 no. like even well, defensively. we were arguing offensively, so I made that point, and I'm like, wait, defensively, yeah, I'm, I'm taking cat. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, what? What am I talking about? Like, yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> taking. It. I I get that we're low on on cat, but yeah, I am, like, I've been so low on Vucevic for soft. so long. Like, like no, I'm soft. I'm not no Vuce, I'm not taking Vucevic over cat. Like, no, I'm drawing the line somewhere. That that might be the line. Like no, I'm not taking Vucevic over Cat. I, I, I don't like Cat. I don't like Cat. I just want you to talented. know if you trade Cat for Vucevic straight up, you won't have a job. If you're trading Cat for Vucevic, you're getting like two first round picks. Like, you're getting like a first on. round pick or two. Like, no, so, no, if you, I, I if you made the trade straight up Cat for Vucevic, you are not. You are going to get fired. Like you will get fired. That is just pure fact. You will get fired. There. And mindful, if you, on the other side, if you trade Vucevic for Cat straight up, you're probably getting a promotion. <laughs> like, probably. Like, once again, I'm, I'm not come high on, now. on Let's Kat, be serious. He's like, better than Vucevic. Like, where's I, my drops? I, I think Sabonis is better than Cat. I can make that argument. But that's a separate story. Talent-wise, I don't know. You need to leave. I like how we're having, like, a full, like, sound effect day. Did you, like, work on the soundboard or something? Yeah, I did. I, started I didn't even know we had a soundboard. Okay, cool. Jake asking, last one, Aiton or Carl Anthony Towns? Come on now. Like, come on. It, it's Cat. Aiton. Like, if you're you're giving me two soft guys, I'm going to take the soft guy that can actually score the basketball on different levels of the court. I'm trying to think of other centers who are actually, like, really good at scoring. Like, I, I can give you a defensive comparison or just ask you Jared Allen or Cat because they're specialized in different areas. Miles Turner or Cat. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'd probably pick Cat over all these guys. So that's how I'm looking at it. I'm telling you, like, he's really, he's a really, really gifted scorer, guys. He's just soft. Like, that is it. <laughs> it is purely it. Whether Now, if you don't want a soft player, then I 100% understand you not taking Cat because he's soft. But we are not going to take away the fact that this man is gifted and probably can give one of your favorite players a bucket. I'm just saying I think he's had a bad series, but I think I'd rather have Sabonis over Cat if I had to pick. At least the bonus gives you passing and some other variables. I and pure scoring of the basketball, Cat will more than likely give your favorite player a bucket. Like that is 
actually true. <laughs> when Cat can, when Cat wants to go get a bucket, he is probably one of the a few unguardable players in the league just because of his size and the the skill set that he has. Like, yeah, he just never that's, shows it that's off. Pure fact. Yeah, he just doesn't show it off all the time, and that's the reason why he's not one of the best players in the league because he has a terrible mindset. I mentioned Miles Turner just because I feel like that's Turner's kind of adjusted his game to play similarly to Cats, where they just shoot a bunch of jump shots. But Cat's better, in my opinion. Cat's off the dribble. Cat Turner doesn't uh, score off the dribble. That's a fun question by Jr. You taking uh, Cat or Nas Reed? <laughs> this went off the rails so fast. I, I'm still scoring the basketball. Is still Cat scoring the basketball? Is still Cat. Like, uh, Jr. I'm not going to count Siakam. Siakam, I'm not going to count because they Siakam literally got they got forward. Yaka Pertle solely because Siakam could not play center. Like I, I, I think that Siakam, I'm not going to count. But still. Yeah. Y'all are y'all are wild. Y'all like do y'all not? <laughs> I really love this, is, how this one so off the rails. I really, yeah, I just, it. I, I don't know how you guys got me defending Cat in here, but it's, it's not like everybody knows Cat is a gifted scorer. He's just soft. Like everybody knows that. <laughs> everybody knows that. All right. No, Nick uh, was not claiming that Gobert's a four. He's claiming that Cat would be a center on any other team that does not have Gobert. That's that's he was a center on his own team before Rudy Gobert got there. But all right, we're get, we're getting beside the point, and we're running over on time. Any other props that you like in this game? I'm uh, without saying I'm on cat over twenty one and a half. Uh, I Edwards is tricky at twenty three and a half because I really do think that elbow or arm is bothering him, and he's not shooting the ball well. Jamal Murray's at twenty two and a half. Doesn't that seem a little bit high? I know he had twenty four in game one, but. You get 24, 8, and 8 in game one. I'm trying to think of what adjustments Minnesota is going to make defensively. I mean, do you think Murray's in line for another like 25 point game or something? I, I'm not sure if he's going to do that. That number seems a little bit high to me, in my opinion. Mm, I mean, if you're taking if you're taking away Jokic and any pro- possible productivity Jokic has, then it's got to open up for somebody else somewhere. And I guess he would be the next guy up. I'm Kind of thinking Aaron Gordon, but I don't well, know. He, he had two going. three pointers, uh, and <laughs> he, you know it's weird. His point total is at thirteen and a half. He actually had a pretty decent offensive game in game one because he made a couple of threes. He's still only at thirteen points. Oh yeah, all right. Mm. Uh, I'll wait to see what happens with. Rudy. I don't think Rudy Gobert is in is really in question of playing this game. But if he doesn't play, then I'll just go all in on Kyle Anderson again. Any thoughts on Torian Prince at seven and a half? Mm, no, not really. Okay. It's really cat or bust for me. I don't really like too much in this game. All right. Uh, that is it. On to lock and dog time. For my lock, I am going to... Which one of those unders did I lock in that I feel most confident about already? Did you officially lock in both? Because you said you locked in. Yes, I did play both already. I just want to know which one I want to give out for the show. Uh, hmm. Let's give out the any meeny miny mo catch a tiger by his toe if you got him. Let him go. Any meeny miny mo. All right, Miami. And Milwaukee under 219. That is my lock for my dog. I don't have the, the adjusted line on Memphis, so I can't really give Memphis out as a dog right now. Uh, 
let's go find a prop that can make it a dog for now. What's my favorite prop in that game? I can't remember. Mm. In which game? Oh, no, I was really just talking to myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, in, Memphis, in the Memphis, uh, Memphis Lakers game. Let's see here. Well, we didn't have Ty as props because uh, you you could have taken a double double, but we don't have that at the moment. I don't want Sharon for twenty five. Dan can kind of be a little. I mean, he probably does score. He's gonna have to be the main guy that steps up, doesn't he? All my guys are really like not listed that I really really like. But you going with like Luke Kennard threes? Is that up? Nope, it's not. Okay. Okay, maybe this isn't the way to go. Uh, so let's just uh, fine. I guess we'll go a little baby dog because I can't really make anything up right now. And we'll go with Jared Vanderbilt over five and a half rebounds. This plus one ten. Okay. Uh, so for my lock, I was contemplating if I wanted to do the same game or not on both because I kind of have a strong opinion about this Denver game. Uh, but you know what? You already gave out the heat and bucks. I like that under two, but I'm not going to touch it because you already did. So I'll provide some uh, other content. For my for my lock, give me the under in that uh, Denver game against Minnesota. I see a 223 available on points bet. I'll take that. It's mostly 222 and a half. I still like the under there. I think it could be a balancing act where Minnesota's offense gets slightly better. But Denver's offense maybe still doesn't exactly look as great or Minnesota makes some defensive adjustments. It's really the lack of pace. From what we've seen in playoff basketball with Minnesota in the three games they played against the Lakers, the Thunder, and the Nuggets, the main takeaway that I had was that the Timberwolves just want every game to be hideous to watch. They don't run. The half-court offense looks bad. They're just an under team. I'm on the under. Denver, once again, held them to 80 points in game one. I don't see that happening again. But I can see a world where Minnesota scores like 105. I can see a world like that. I'm going with the under in this game. I think Denver does a good job defensively, mostly because of a lack of spacing for Minnesota. And with the fact that Anderson doesn't shoot that well, Cat's afraid to shoot the basketball, Edwards is injured, and Gobert gives you nothing offensively, and Connolly's past his prime. They really just don't have enough offensive weapons for me. So give me the under in that game, a 222.5 as my lock. And for my dog, I am going to go with a Denver alt line. Until I see something for Minnesota, I'm just expecting them to get buried. I'm going to treat this like the Hawks-Celtics series, where one team is just clearly better than the other team. And I think that you're going to end up seeing it once again in this matchup. So give me Denver on the alt line. I'm trying to find out what the best line I can get is. I'm going to eye 11 plus. So give me Denver minus minus 10 and a half at plus 125. I think they win this game by double digits. I see a similar story to the Boston series. I think Denver defends home court comfortably in both these games. So my lock, give me Denver under for the game and give me the Denver minus 10 and a half at plus 125 as my dog. All right. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe to the NBA Game Podcast on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to us on Twitter, well, follow us on Twitter at SGPN NBA, and you leave reviews on wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you leave us reviews. Other than that, we have gone a little over on time again, but it's fine because I have nothing else to say, nothing else to do. No other way of ending podcast. We're just going to end it like this. We are out of here. 
ball, give me, give me, give me the ball because I'm gonna go get it. Basketball, give me, give me, give me the ball.